Welcome to the weekly podcast of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church, located in the city of Middletown, New York. Today's message will be brought to you by our senior pastor, Reverend Albert Feliciano Sr. Each week we stream our live recorded services to encourage, build up, and edify our listening audience. Our aim is to share with you the uncompromised and infallible word of the living God. Our prayer is that today's message will draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here is Pastor Albert with today's word. Amen. Well, we're going to go to part two of our sermon series. It's called I Am. These are the I Am statements of Jesus Christ. The second one he made is I Am the Light of the world. Praise the Lord. We're going to be reading from John chapter 8 verses 1 through 12 this morning. I'm going to give you a minute to find that in your Bibles and if so and you're able I wouldn't mind asking you once more to just stand to your feet for the reading of God's word for those that are able. If you have it say amen. Glory to God. John chapter 8 Beginning at verse number 1, the word of the Lord says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple. And all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses, in the law, commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? It's a trap. Somebody say trap. Hallelujah. They're trying to trap him. This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Glory to God. You may take your seats this morning in the presence of the living God. 
This morning, as you know, I am conducting part of an eight-week series. Today is part two. Jesus again saying, I am the light of the world. Jesus was revealing himself as the eternal Son of God. These I am statements of Jesus help us to really understand his nature, who he is, and what is his purpose. He said, I am the light of the world. What does this statement mean? How does this statement relate to you and I? I'm going to jump right in this morning. Number one, light brings us a knowledge of our need. Praise the Lord. So it's ironic that as he's going to say, I am the light of the world, there's this whole story that is described in verses 1 through 11. And the word then in verse 12 refers to the previous experience that he had made before his declaration or the experience that took place. And this is very interesting because here it is now, a woman that is caught in the very act of adultery is now brought into the temple. And this is something that we all have to understand. It was the accusers that brought this woman, this woman into the very temple where everybody came to get uplifted, where everybody came to be encouraged in the word, where everybody came to worship. You know, the Bible says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And sometimes we've got people in church that come out and point out each other's sins and each other's faults without even looking at their own faults. And we come into the temple and say, ooh, shame on you, ooh. And we start pointing these things out. These are the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. These are the ones that were supposed to teach Israel, the law, the commandments of God. And now they're coming in and bringing this woman who was caught in the very act. Some of you had heard me say this before, but how did they know where to find her? Think about that. And if they caught her in the very act, what were they, peeping toms? Think about that. How would you catch her in the act if you did not know where to go? How would you know where to find such a woman when you should be in the book? When you should be studying or teaching or praying or preparing yourself to help the people of God? That's your role. Where would you know how to find her? But nonetheless, they said, perfect. We caught her red-handed. Now let's bring her to the courts of the temple. Let's see what Jesus is going to say. How is he going to get out of this one? Is he going to be above Moses? Is he going to declare himself something? Let's see how we could trap him. All eyes were focused on this guilty woman. Let me just say this too. Because every time we hear this story, we don't really pay attention to all the other details. But the disciples brought this woman, but everybody in the temple was also around looking in. And, you know, it's funny because every time something happens, especially in church, we're almost all guilty of wanting to know the details. Let's call it what it is, gossip. Juicy, dirty, grimy. The grimier it is, sometimes it seems the better it is. And we say, ooh, 
we're going to see something. I think AJ said it a couple weeks back. People love to see others get disciplined or others get punished, and they just sit with their little bag of popcorn. Watching the show unfold. Everybody's watching this woman. Everybody enjoying the free show. It's a guilty pleasure. The Pharisees brought this woman to Jesus, attempting to catch Jesus between the law and between grace. Pastor Shadrach was talking about that earlier. We know in this church we teach the course, the way of the master. We know that Jesus, the way he did it, whenever he evangelized, he gave law to the proud, but grace to the humble. And in this situation, we see someone that is completely humble. She knows she's guilty. She was caught, and she knows the law. She's about to be stoned to death. There's nothing she could say for herself to defend herself. She can't say, the devil made me do it. Remember Flip Wilson? How many, you know, older people? Am I dating myself? Remember Flip Wilson? He always used to say, the devil made me do it. You can't blame this one on the devil. You were caught. I think Flip Wilson was like one of the first uh, uh, transgender. He would always uh, dress up as a woman, right? And we thought it was cutesy-cutesy. Then comes Tyler Perry, thinks it's cutesy-cutesy. You know how many people in the church love Medea? That's, that's a whole different sermon for another day. Praise God. Just keeping it real. Hallelujah. But Jesus did it this way. He gave law to the proud and grace to the humble. How many know when you come to Jesus and you try to blow up his spot, when you try to catch him in a test, it's just stupid. You're not going to win. Somebody say spirit of dumb. These guys came in the temple with a spirit of dumb. Hallelujah. Trying to bring the Lord out and, and publicly humiliate him. Jesus stated publicly that he came to fulfill the law. Not to abolish the law. Jesus also stated publicly that he was a friend to the sinners. So now, according to the law of Moses, this woman must be killed. She must be stoned to death. The very law of Moses demanded death for the sin of adultery. What would Jesus do now? Ooh, we got him red-handed. We're going to trap him now. He says he came to fulfill the law, and he's a friend to the sinners. How is he going to get out of this one? Have no fear. Everything is under control. How many know you're a servant of the Most High God? You might be going through the hell crisis of your life right now. I'm telling you, by the, by the power of Jesus' name, this will not overtake you. Hallelujah. Jesus has the final word. Jesus has the victory in store for you. Jesus has a strategy. Jesus knows that they're not going to overtake you. Hold on. Brilliantly, he went down to the ground. I love this. Praise God. He went down and began writing on the ground. The very law of Moses was written on stone. And Jesus is believed by many scholars, theologians, to have bent down and started writing the Ten Commandments. It's plausible. No one knows. I believe he was definitely writing something powerful. Because he began to write down and kind of ignored them as if he didn't even hear their request. And he's just writing everything down. They're like, come on, man. What you going to do? What you going to do? We got a stoner. They had rocks in their hands. They came in with rocks. 
How many people come into the house with stones in our hands, ready to smite each other? Some of us, the rocks are on our tongue. Verbal assassination. Social media assassination. The kids call it subs. You heard of subs? You know what a sub is? When you don't say somebody's name, but everybody that reads it knows exactly who you're talking about. That's a sub. We're subbing them. Assassinating each other. We're going to condemn each other. Ooh, we found out some juicy gossip. Let me pick up a stone. He might have been writing the Ten Commandments. I tend to think that after he wrote the law, the Ten Commandments, and he got up and said what he said, that he went back down, I think he began writing down their names. Junebug. Papo. Tito. What was the other one, Pastor Shadrach? He says Tito and something else. Rocky. Every, whatever other name you could think of. He starts writing their name, looking at the crowd. Okay. Okay. And then draw a line under it and start writing the sins, the law-breaking sins that each and every one of them were guilty of. And I think he also wrote it big enough so that everybody there, all the gossipers, the juicy story, the popcorn-eating crew, that he wrote it big enough so that they could see the name, the law, and the breaking of the law that was all written down on the dirt. So that everybody can see it and say, ooh, things are getting hot in here. Praise God. We're going to see some stuff. You see, the law makes us see and face our own sin. There's a verse in Scripture. It says the law is our tutor or the law is our schoolmaster, some versions say. Galatians 3.24, therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Let me just say this. Without the law, we don't know that we're lawbreakers. You missed that. Praise God. If there are no stripes on the road, you don't know how to stay in your own lane. If there are no stripes, people tend to, you know, drive all over the place. And it could cause accidents. It could cause death. So the law is good. It protects us even from ourselves. But if we break the law and the cop comes, woo, 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 pulls us over, gives us a ticket, now we know. What did I do? You broke the law. And there's always a penalty or a fine, or a consequence for breaking the law. I laugh at this. It's pretty funny. But uh, I think the movie Liar, Liar, uh, some guy calls up. He says, he needs some professional legal advice. And the guy picks a lawyer, picks up the phone. He goes, here's some advice. Stop breaking the law. Click. That's the best advice ever. You want to know how to avoid jail? You want to know how to avoid consequence? Stop breaking the law. Let me go spiritual on you. You know how to get to heaven? You know how to honor God? You know how to walk purely and righteously? Stop sinning. Hallelujah. You know better. We know better. Stop willfully sinning. We fall. The righteous fall down seven times. They get back up again. Praise God. That's the glory. That's the beauty of serving God that we get to do over. But if you continue to do over and do over and do over and you haven't learned a lesson, now it's a willfully ignorant, disobedient 
grimy, dirty sin. And we've got to submit it to the power of the Lord. Praise God. Am I talking to somebody in the house? Let us get real with ourselves this morning. You see, unless we know that we broke the law, we can't appreciate any good news. But once we are made aware of the law that we broke, now we're all humble as pie. Now we're goody two-shoes. Oh, I'm so sorry, officer. I can't believe I ran that light. Oh, I'm so sorry, officer. I can't believe I made a turn on two wheels. I can't believe, Lord God, that, that, that I almost hit that child in the carriage. Oh, what can I do? What is there to do? Will you give me a break this time? You know, we're soft as pie. But I tell you what, once you realize that you broke the law, now your ears, your eyes are all attentive to what the good news might be. How do you get yourself out of the danger, out of the trouble? This is why so many people, I got to say it, we fail at evangelism. Because a lot of us, one, the biggest problem in evangelism is we try to get theological with people that don't know nothing about Jesus. We try to get all super sanctified. Well, Let's see, doctrinally, the word of God. Says, you know, nobody wants to hear that. They don't even understand it. The Bible says the things of God are foolishness to those who are perishing. The, the world cannot comprehend the spirit because they are spiritually discerned. So how do we effectively evangelize? You've got to go back to the law. You've got to go back to the commandments. You've got to weigh the scales a little bit. You got to let them know, hey, have you ever told a lie? Have you ever stolen anything? Do you have lust in your heart? Have you ever looked at somebody with lust? When you start pointing out the real laws of God and say, according to the law of God, if you were held to this standard, would you be found innocent or guilty? Of course, guilty. Does that concern you? Well, it does now. Up until today, I never even given it a thought. Bro, I only met you two minutes ago. I don't want you to go to hell. I don't want you to suffer. I don't want you to die. Do you know what Jesus did for you? Do you know what he did so that you wouldn't have to go to hell? You know what he did so you wouldn't have to die alone? That you wouldn't be separated from God the Father who loves you? This is what he did. Now you talk about the cross. Now you talk about the blood of Jesus, how it washes you. Multitudes of sin. Every sin you ever committed will be wiped clean, whitewashed. This is effective evangelism. Once they know the bad news, the law is your tutor. How many bring the law into their conversation? The law is your friend. The law, the commandments is a gift of God for you to share the gospel. A couple weeks back, Brother Al Alex, where are you, Brother Alex? He's somewhere here with his baby, probably rocking the baby, changing her. Praise God. Brother Alex sat on a porch that day. Do you know what the conversation was? It was the law. Here's our brother all tatted up with skulls and all kinds of stuff. And he's just sitting there. And I'm saying of all the people on this porch, he's the only one not listening. But that brother was deep. He contemplated his life. And it was the law that brought him to the cross. It was the law that brought him to Jesus. And now he's married and has a beautiful daughter. And now he works with young people. Now he works with uh, adolescent people. Now he shares the gospel. Now he has a poem writing skill that he never even knew he had. Praise God. 
It's amazing what can happen when people realize they're in danger of hell and damnation. And we're afraid to offend people. We don't want to tell nobody. We want to, we want to help them understand. They can't understand. It's impossible to accept the good news unless they know they're headed for the bad news. Do you understand? Let him that has ears understand and hear the word of the living God. You know, here's the beauty. When you hear the bad news, whether it's legal or whether it's spiritual, when you hear the bad news and then someone says, hey, but I have a solution. All of a sudden, you turn off your phone, put it in your pocket, like, tell me, how do I get out of this one? What do I got to do? Am I telling the truth? Right? You got a problem. You got to find. In, in this case, Jesus says, hey, I'm the solution. I'm going to come in. I'm going to pay your fine. That's what we saw this morning. He came in and paid our fine. When he was on the cross, he's got your name underneath that crown of, of thorns where it was piercing his skull. Your name was in his head. The father said, go and die in their place. He loved you that much. And he steps in and now legally any judge can release you legally, even though you're guilty of committing sin. But because someone else came in and paid the fine, he is able to legally dismiss your case. Hallelujah and glory to God. People have to understand that because you will never be holy enough. You will never be good enough. You will never be pure enough. You're talking to a pastor who's got some skeletons in the closet. Glory to God most high. I praise God every day that my darkest, dirty little secrets are not going to be on the jumbotron in heaven. <laughs> Ain't nobody going to throw no rocks at me in glory. Because Jesus paid it all for me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. His blood erased it. Hallelujah. I don't know if you could understand that. That's something to get excited about. Jesus said to them, fake Pharisees, he among you. Look at their fake beards. It was no shave November. He said, he among you that is without sin. It probably is a woman, a tranny Pharisee. Hallelujah. And her pronoun is Lee Jin. Amen. They had rocks. They came into the temple with stones. And they were prepared to stone this woman to death. Let's see what you're going to do. He said, after he wrote the commandments, he says, Let him among you who is without sin. Let him throw the first stone. Then he goes back down and continues to write on the ground. I love the Lord. I love the Lord. Don't miss this. Verse 9. This is so important. Thank you, dear. My wife loves me. Listen. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience. Wow. They knew what was happening. They were convicted 
by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, that means the most wise among them, the most knowledgeable, the most mature, the biggest one of the bunch, down to the last, that means the smallest child. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. That means one by one, they were convicted. Now, the Pharisees came in with rocks. They dropped their rocks. Listen, the fact that they came in with rocks, they should have exchanged the rock for repentance. Think about it. Your conscience, you're convicted in your conscience. You're convicted saying, man, he's got me dead to rights. I can no longer accuse this woman when I got junk in my trunk. When I've got some little skeletons in there too, where I'm a creepy, crawly little night crawler. That's how I knew where to find this chick. When I got some dirt and some baggage in my own life, I'm no longer able to accuse her. Drop. And one by one, because they wanted to protect their position. They wanted to protect their job. They wanted to protect their supposed integrity because they had none. They wanted to protect their reputation. They wanted to protect their livelihood, their money. They wanted to protect all this stuff. They began to recognize, man, I'm dirty. They dropped the rock, but the problem is they turned around and walked away. Here's something else, very interesting, just as equally grimy as what I just described. You know all the other gossipers that were there too? All the ones that were waiting for a show? I'm sure after the Pharisees left, Jesus started looking into the crowd. And one by one, everybody starts jetting. Bouncing, bizounce, yo, peace out. And they start leaving one by one. Even the crowd that was there in the church, in the house of God, that means the whole house was jacked up. There were a whole church of people full of sin in the temple. I don't, you're not hearing what I'm saying. Praise God. The whole house was jacked up, and not one person came to the altar. Not one person said, man, it's me. It's me that you're talking about. It's me. I'm dirty. I'm grimy. I'm a lahu, a zahur. I'm, I'm jacked up. I need you, Jesus. Not one person came up to Jesus, and when they were all gone, the light exposed everything. Can you imagine Jesus Christ, even an angel, if, if an angel appeared in this room right now, we'd all be like, ah! We'd fall to our face. Have mercy. If it was an angel, say, don't bow down to me. I ain't the one. Hallelujah. That's how you know it's an angel of God. Please, don't give me your worship. But if Jesus got in here right now, many of us would be shaking in our boots. 
I don't, I'd throw myself on the floor, and I'd be like this, lopsided, because my belly would hold me up. <laughs> I would throw myself on the ground. My feet would be in the air like this. <laughs> That's stupid. Hallelujah. <laughs> I just caught the, my own visual. Praise God. Barry, don't fall off your chair, man. I would, be, I would be upset if you fell down, man. We would be convicted because of the power of God. You guys are all going to be thinking about that on Facebook now. Praise God. Somebody's going to find a picture and put it on Instagram. Hallelujah. When they were convicted with conscience, listen to this. The word con and science is a compound word. Con means with. Science means knowledge. They were convicted with knowledge, with understanding, and yet they could not repent. They were exposed. It's like a police officer. Everyone had gone. You know, when a police officer comes on a crime scene, he says, okay, guys. There's nothing to see here. Everybody go back home. One by one, they all went back home. Now Jesus is alone. He shut down the trap that was meant to expose him. How are you going to expose the light? He's the light. How are you going to come and corrupt or defile the light? Light always wins. Light brings hope. Hallelujah to the hopeless. Glory to God. Part number two. This nameless woman caught in the very act of adultery had lost all hope. She was guilty. She was dead. Man, you got to understand that. Many of us that are in this room right now hearing this message, you don't even realize it. But if you don't have a relationship with God, you're a dead man walking. You're a dead woman walking. If you haven't received Christ by default, you've already made a decision. The devil wants to make you think, no, I didn't decide. I don't serve the devil. If you ain't serving Jesus, you are already serving the devil. The Bible calls it children of disobedience. Nobody wants to say amen to that, but that's the facts, Jack. So many people think they got it all together, realizing if Jesus came right now, they're lost. She had lost the ability to defend herself. She was a goner. She had been in the most vulnerable state, the most humble state in her entire life. Her life was in the hands of of a preacher. Her life was in the hands of a teacher, a real teacher. God's grace came to her that day. Glory to God. Turn your neighbor and say, oh, the grace of God. You have to understand. Where are your accusers, woman of God? Is there anyone left? No, Lord. No one's here. Nor do I accuse thee. Go and sin no more. It was Jesus that shined the light of God's glory. It was Jesus that shined the light of God's grace and God's mercy. It was Jesus that shone the light of salvation to this poor, defeated, hopeless soul, a lost lamb. And this is what the light of God does. It's a wonderful thing. It brings hope to the hopeless and everybody that was there. They saw it, and many scattered. All the people there, the critters of darkness, they went back to their hiding holes. 
Here it is now. Light shining in the darkness. Luke 1, 78. Through the tender mercy of our God with, with which the day spring from on high has visited us. Jesus is the light of the world. He is our day spring. Praise God. When you walk with Jesus, it could be the midnight hour. It could be the middle of the night and you're walking surrounded by light. Hallelujah. Luke 2, 32. A light to bring revelations to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Jesus is a light to the Gentiles. That means he's a light for you and me. We're engrafted in the Abrahamic covenant. But even the people of God, he is the glory of Israel. And so many in Israel defile and mock and criticize Jesus right now. It's horrible to see what's going on over there. But there's consequences for everything that happens. And I tell you, God, have mercy on your people. Blessing and peace on Israel in the name of Jesus Christ. John 1, 4 through 5. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. But the darkness did not comprehend it. I tried to say this later. When you talk to people about the light, if they don't understand the darkness, if they don't understand the law, if they don't understand the bad news, it's very hard for them, almost impossible for them to understand and comprehend. It's until they respond to the tugging in their heart by the Holy Spirit of God that says, you need to change, bro. You ain't good. You don't have it all together. All your money. Ask, uh, what's this guy? iPhone guy. What's the guy? Uh, Joe something, right? What was the guy that made Apple? Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, billionaire, got cancer and died. All the money in the world couldn't cure cancer. But we have several cancer, I'm not going to say victims, I'm going to say victors in this room, in this building right now that have been healed of a terminal illness. Glory to God. Our God is bigger than cancer. Everything under the name of Jesus has to bow. Glory to God. Jesus is God's shining light. Darkness will never comprehend the light. John, 1 John 1, 5 through 7. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. Listen closely, please, saints of God. If we say that we have fellowship in him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is the light... We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The Pharisees, the religious folk, the ones that claim to walk in light, but they're the ones pointing fingers at everybody. They're doing the work of Satan. They were in darkness. They wanted to walk in light. They thought they were walking in light, but they didn't even know that they were walking in darkness. Many of us say that we walk in light, but really, do we? Do we know the light? If light bumped into us in the street, many of us would say, oh, excuse me, excuse me, pardon me. There's a song. If, if you remember Denise Williams, she was a disco uh, star queen back in the 80s. 
But she got saved. She, she got born again. And on her first album, she wrote a song, and it's called, If We Are the Light, Then Why Is the World So Dark? What, an, what a title for a song. Look it up on, on, on YouTube. It's a cool song. If we are the light, then why is the world so dark? She, can't, she sings better, obviously. But <laughs> praise God, it's a cool song. If we are the light, then why is the world so dark? It's a cool song. I challenge you to listen to it. But the reason is because many of us are hiding our light. Many of us have lost our passion for the lost. How many know that Jesus had a passion for the lost in the world? That's the whole reason why he came. Those that are lost in sin, the captivity to sin. The Gospel of John uses the word world 77 times. Do you think Jesus didn't care about those in the world? It's for this reason he came. And it's funny because when you hear in the Scripture, it says, what if somebody offended me or, or hurt me seven times in a day? And Jesus says, you know what? You forgive them 70 times seven. Jesus had compassion. For the lost. We see John 3.16, the word world is capsulized in that verse alone. Jesus loved those in the darkness. He didn't love the world. He made the world. He loved those in darkness in the world. Praise God. He came to turn on the lights and point us back to the truth. How many know that if you're walking at night, especially if you have little kids and they didn't pick up their Lego blocks, how many have ever stepped on a diabolical, demonic, burdensome Lego block at 2 o'clock in the morning when you need to go to the restroom to relieve yourself and you start walking and you don't see but you know your house and you start walking all of a sudden, boom, you go, woo, got ants in my pants and I need to dance. Praise God. Because that hurts. It takes the life out of you. Now my wife is going to say, what's wrong with you? Praise God. But it's, it's brutally painful. But if you put the light on, my wife gets angry when I turn the lights on. So I got a little flashlight. I go, click. I don't hit no Lego blocks. Praise God. But all my kids are grown up, so Legos are over for me. Now I just give them to my grandkids. Let my kids step on Lego blocks. And let me laugh when they tell me, oh, God, Dad, don't ever buy the kids Lego blocks. Now I get a two-packs next time. Hallelujah. Build some structure. Praise the Lord. Step on some Lego blocks. Give God the glory. Hallelujah. The adulterous woman, she was destined for death, but instead received life. God's grace was extended to her. She didn't need the law. Jesus didn't throw no Bible verses at her. He didn't beat her up with the Bible. He didn't beat her up with the rules. She was already broken. She was already ashamed. She was already fearful for her life. She was humble. She wasn't oppositional. She deserved condemnation, but she received pardon. God's forgiveness is true love, eternal love, life-changing love, it is freedom. My last point this morning, light brings direction to those who are being delivered. When he said, go and sin no more, understand that this is a command, praise God, and not a suggestion. I want you to really follow closely in verse number 12. 
He says, he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Saints of God, he gave us instruction in that one sentence. He gave us directions. Those who are being delivered from death, these directions are for those who have been forgiven. He says, go and sin no more. And then he says, don't walk in darkness. If you are the light, you're supposed to expose darkness. If you are the light, you're supposed to bring light into dark rooms, into dark jobs, into dark households. How about this? You're supposed to bring light into the church. How many people need light? Even in the sanctuary. Praise God. We're supposed to be light Hallelujah. Salvation, saints of God, is only the beginning. Listen, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Let's continue. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, for which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We have to walk in the newness of life, Romans 6, 4. Therefore, we were buried with him through the baptism into death, and that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we shall walk in the newness of life. Our sinless Savior brings light to life uh, uh, and sinners, praise God, to the sinners. Come out of the darkness. Be the light of the world. Allow him to enable you to walk in his light, praise God, so you don't step on darkness. Praise God, right? Be careful. Well, there's a joke here. Praise God. We, we, we look out for number one, but careful not to step in number two. Hallelujah. Amen. All right, that's corny. That dropped. That bombed. I have to remember that one. Listen, I'm closing, but in closing, I'm going to bring something pivotal for you to understand. And don't miss this. Jesus is the light of the world. Every single time light comes into a situation it exposes darkness darkness can never ever defeat light light does many beautiful things but there's something else that it does that you have to understand it cancels darkness praise god even a candlelight a dim candle if it brought into a dark room is still going to light up the entire room with a dim light, but at least you'll be able to get around and walk around without tripping over anything. Light immediately cancels out darkness. Light is stronger than darkness. Light emanates light. Light gives off light. Light shines in darkness. Light is pure. It purifies. It gives light. Did you know that there are UV lights that can be installed or put on a piece of electric equipment and the light burns off microorganisms and, and, and uh, micro crazy stuff that you can't even see with the naked light. But a UV light 
kills biopathogens uh, and all these mi uh, uh, microorganisms with the UV light. It purifies and it kills things that you can't see. I don't know if you're getting that right now. Let's translate that, people of God. If you are the light and you're walking around and there's some biohazard demons in your room, the light kills off and cancels out the demonic activity. All the little microorganisms, all the little creepy crawlers, the light of Christ, they go, ah, and they bounce like cockroaches. Light wins. Here's another thing. Did you know that ultra laser, that means focus light, it's called a laser beam. Do you know that light can actually cut through steel? If you ever seen Orange County Choppers, they got a laser machine that they put a slate or a tablet or some kind of a steel plate on a table, and the light comes in, and so going, they pick up the old piece, throw it away, and they pick up a plate of steel that has been cut, not with knives, but with light. And you know, when you come to church, the light, of God's glory. And it creates in you a new heart, a clean heart. Hallelujah. Light. Some of us need the light of God to cut through the stony, steel, cold heart. Praise God. Jesus calls you, all you that believe, all you that receive, all you that are born again. He called you to be light of the world. Matthew 5, it says, you are the light of the world. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. Praise God. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all those who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You and I are called to be the light of the world, exactly as our Lord and Savior and Master Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And because we are his and he is ours, we too are lights in the world. He called us to be the light. He didn't call you to hide your light. He didn't call you to be ashamed, embarrassed, insecure, or even unknowledgeable that you even are the light. You are a light bearer. Amen. Here it goes. Turn to your neighbor and say, hold on. This one's going to hurt. Praise God. This one's going to hurt. Uh, pull an AJ on you. Go click. This one's going to hurt for some. For others, you're going to be, hallelujah, pastor. Praise God. A light bearer who does not bear light is a malfunction. A light bearer who does not bear light is an error. A light bearer who doesn't bear light is broken, breakdown, failure. If we are created in the image of God and we are called to be the light, then our role is specific. We are to be the light. Hallelujah.
You're supposed to walk into a room and they know. We had a neighbor, my wife was talking about, a neighbor that came across the street and she doesn't know us. We've never spoke to her in our life. But she introduced herself and after all of the conversation, she says, can you do me a favor? Will you pray for me? We prayed right on our doorstep. A woman needing a one-bedroom apartment. If anybody knows, please help us. She's got an 82-year-old mother, and she lives with her mother in a one-bedroom, and they're raising the rent every six months. She's at a place now she can no longer afford to live. She's terrified. She doesn't know what she's going to do. We said, don't worry. God has the answer. God has the solution. And you know what? I believe with all my heart she's going to find a place to go. And her mother, I said, your latter years are going to be the best years of your life. Be the light, saints of God. People know who you are. You don't got to walk around and say, I am a pastor, 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 pastor. Call me pastor. Pastor is my name. I am. You know, they got some people that are like that. Oh, you better address me. You better. Let me not go there. Hallelujah. Tame me, Lord. Tame me, Lord. Get it together. Praise God. Be the light for your gift, your anointing, your call. It will make room for you. When you walk in a room, people are going to, you're a prophetess. You're a pastor. You're a man of God. You don't need no titles. Praise God. Two minutes. Hallelujah. All right, here we go. There's a huge problem, though. Many of us, we know that we're the light. But we don't want to be the light. We want to be the light on Sunday, but we want to be the dark on Monday through Saturday. We want the best of both worlds. And brother and sister, it cannot be. You cannot have one foot in the church and the other foot always dabbling in the world because no one can tell you apart. That's called carnal Christianity. You want the best of both worlds. Sunday game face and Monday monster. 2 Corinthians, listen, 6.14. What fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? It imposs it's impossible to be the light and the dark and fellowship together and be one of court, uh, one of court, uh, one of court, of one accord and still be the light. Because light is supposed to cancel darkness. They can't fellowship. Scientifically, it's, it's a rule. The same rule applies in the spirit. The Bible says when light and dark come together, they are unequally yoked. How many Christians want to get together with their BFF, their buddy, their best friend, my BFF? But they're dead in transgression. They're dead in sin. But you say, oh, but he's so beautiful. Oh, but she's so fine. Boom, bing, bing. I'm going to change her, pastor. You don't understand. No, I, I understand, bro. I tried to force it. It doesn't work. Every time you try to force light and dark to come together, usually three things happen. Disease, disaster, and death. Disease, disaster, and death. They can't fellowship. They can't be one. 
Stop going to the clubs and say you're a Christian. And getting your drink on and all the other stuff. Be separate, says the Lord. Choose this day whom you're going to serve. God Almighty, help us, O oh Lord. James 3, 10 through 12. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, brethren, bear olives or grapevine, bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. You got to be one or the other, people of God. Every believer in this room that is sanctified, set apart, saved, uh, uh, children of the Most High God, you are the light of the world. Turn your neighbor and say, tag, you're it. We have to live a life that illuminates Jesus Christ wherever we go. You're supposed to be a beacon of light that shines in the harbor, that says, come, I know where the Lord is. Come, follow the light. Come to the light. Come to the light. This is how we should be at our Thanksgiving table. This is how it should be in our Christmas dinner table. This is how it should be in New Year's Eve. Come, let me take you to the light. I know where the light is. Come. Be a beacon of light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And now we are his light in the world. We're supposed to walk as children of light. Ephesians 5, 8 through 14. For you were once in darkness, but now you are the light in the world. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And here comes, and have no fellowship. With the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you his light. So for those that have been malfunctioning, for those that have been broken, for those that haven't quite been the light, there's hope for you today. Walk with him. Walk in his light and become the light. He says he will give you his light. These last three verses are my closing verses. This is my first, last, and final closing. Light exposes darkness. Light, as we spoke about today, it brings knowledge. It brings hope. And it brings direction to those who are in the dark. Romans 13, 12. Therefore, cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And Luke 8, 17. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Saints of God, let us function as lights in the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and now we are the light in the world. Praise God. Become the light and be the light. God bless you, saints of the Most High God. We are so grateful to God for allowing us the opportunity to share this message with you. Thank you for listening. We want you to know that you are all in our constant prayers. If you've been blessed by today's program, why not consider partnering with us? To make a donation is easy. 
You can visit us online at www.specchurch.net or you can call us at 845-956-0133. Once again, that's www.specchurch.net or 845-956-0133. We invite you to worship with us one Sunday morning soon. Thank you again for your prayers and support. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you.